This is the Coaching Routes Podcast with Jay Sloan and Max Pendry, impacting lives through different routes on the same journey. Now, here's Jay and Max. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Coaching Routes Podcast with Jay Sloan and Max Pendry. This week, we are joined by the new University of Denver head coach, Jeff Wilburn. Coach comes to us with a plethora of different experiences in life on and off the court. Um, he graduated from Cal State Fullerton and then took a volunteer assistant job at Cal. Um, gave some great stories about that. He worked there for seven years before going to Illinois State. Then he actually got out of the business for a while and was working in real estate and coaching high school before getting a chance to come back into college um, at v Virginia Tech as the director of ops. Then he went to UAB as an assistant coach before going to Stanford with Coach Hess and was assistant there for a few years before being bumped up to associate and then just finally got a head coaching job at the University of Denver about six weeks ago. Yeah, he was awesome to have on and just like continuously talking about integrity, character, running the program the right way, doing it for the right reasons is awesome to hear. And you can tell it's very authentic, you know, um, it's just always refreshing to have guys, uh, you know, be in it for the right reasons and truly get to see that, you know, in his perspective, not only as a head coach, but through his path and his younger years of uh, starting out kind of being a sponge um, even the way that he figured out that he wanted to start coaching was really cool. I'll let you guys listen to that. Um, but like, you know, his whole path was pretty, pretty cool, but he, he, you know, he spoke about a lot of those different things. Um, you know, different advice for younger coaches working camps, uh, and the relationship side of the business and how important that is, um, just in, in life as well. Um, but then one of the things, and this is, we could talk for days, Jay, and I could talk for days about this podcast. I got a bunch of notes right here in front of me, but, you know, he said, it's not about chasing the job you want. It's about working the job that you have and being confident that that job that you, you know, the, the next job is going to come if you just focus on the here and now and making sure that you're a man of integrity and uh, passionate about what you do and treat people the right way and doing things the right way. And I thought that was, you know, once again, we, we've heard similar advice, but I think put that way was really unique and, and just a great perspective. So I, I love the podcast tonight. Yeah. And I think, and, you know, Max and I, we talked about this off the air where I think sometimes there's like a misconception about the purpose of like what we're doing this for um, about climbing the ladder and getting to the next thing. And it's really like the polar opposite, like, you know, we're both guys who we have a relationship because of our morals and like wanting to do things the right way and help people. Like that's why Max and I are even friends. Um, and, you know, getting someone like Coach Wilburn on, like it's just refreshing because, you know, not everyone in this is doing it for the right reasons. Like there are a lot of people that are trying to climb the ladder. And he's a guy who stands by and lives by the things that we – value so much and you know 37 years later he finally gets a chance to be a head coach in division one basketball and it's just cool like his whole story and his life you know um and how he's gotten here and like all the 
the things that a lot of people who are trying to help people navigate the business might frown upon as far as, you know, getting out of the business for a while voluntarily and, you know, taking a break to focus on family. Like, I mean, like, that's an awesome piece that like a lot, a lot of people would be like, don't do that. You know, like that's not a good move. Well, you know, it worked out cause he's a good guy and he really was doing things for the right reasons, you know, and he just talks about the sacrifice that he made, like, you know, getting in the business as a volunteer and, selling baseball cards to make ends meet. Like, I mean, that's, those are things that, you know, every young guy who's had to struggle can like, you know, they can use as a point of reference in their own lives. But, you know, like Max said, coach was awesome. I mean, he gave unbelievable advice. One of the ones that I've taken the most notes on since we started with further ado, we'll just let him do the talking. Here's coach Jeff Wilburn. Today on the podcast, we're joined by head coach at Denver, Jeff Woolburn. Coach, thank you uh, so much for joining us. Um, how have the first you know, couple months been over there at Denver? Uh, it's been great, Max. Thanks for having me. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, it. It's been a frantic, I guess it's been about six weeks here and um, a lot of change, lots to do, but we've been really, really productive uh, we've, we've signed seven players since we've been here. So all kinds of changes, implementing our core values or culture to our program, finding out which of the kids in the program are good fits, which ones are not, and, you know, making the appropriate decisions. But, uh, along with getting settled, uh, uh my wife is joining me out here and, uh, things are, are, are moving along. Well, we love the area. We love the people. Well, and Coach, you know, we'll definitely get to your time at Denver, your first six weeks here in a little bit. Um, but kind of like a hypothetical, just, you know, based on your path. And you've coached some okay guards, especially at Cal. Like some of those guys turned out to be okay. Um, you know, so if you got to pick between Jason Kidd and Kevin Johnson to come out and start with you in Denver and run the show. Wow. Which one are you picking? And why? And it's no knock on the other. Obviously, they're both great players. But which one are you picking? Do I have to pick just one? I mean, uh, you can <laughs> sign them all, I guess. I'll take them both. Man, <laughs> man. I, I mean, they were incredible. Uh, just uh, I was at Cal for Kevin Johnson's last year in the 86-87 season. And uh, it's funny, he, um, he was kind of a two-guard uh, at Cal for his first couple of years. And Lou Campanelli took over the Cal program and decided to make Kevin into a point guard. And that really accelerated his development and, and maturation as a guard. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, he finishes his senior season. And he's the seventh pick in the lottery uh, by the Cleveland Cavaliers. And uh, he was incredible. I, you know, one thing you can say about both those guys, from foul line to foul line, when they played, they were probably the fastest in the game. You know, during the years that KJ played, he was, and and that was always what I said about Jason, that he got to full speed so quickly. And in that space from free throw line to free throw line, he was just so fast, so quick. But those guys competed at such a high level. They raised the play of the people around them. Uh, they they were unselfish. Uh, gosh, they, they were all about winning. Um, just, you know, two different eras. eras and... Uh, I, I was really fortunate. So my, my last year, I got to coach Jason at Cal in his freshman season. And um, it was funny when Jason was there, 
he was uh, his first couple of weeks. He was throwing the ball off the backs of guys' heads, and about seven, eight rows into the into the stands. And the, the guys that he was he was playing with weren't accustomed to playing with a passer uh, as elite as Jason. And uh, it took some time, and uh, eventually it all came together uh, there for for Jason and the team and. Um, uh, and his teammates, but there was certainly as good as he was in the adjustment period. I have the same problem. I throw the balls off the back, the back of people's heads, but it's usually the other team that I'm throwing it off their head. So, well, you're probably doing it. This is 17 years later and you're still doing it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It only lasted about two weeks for Jason. It, it's because I dribble and kick it and it hits somebody in the head. That's more what it turns into. Well, coach, to have, uh, you know, such a, a long, uh, great career so far, uh, coaching awesome players, it's cool to have a couple of those guys at the top of the list or near the top, uh, and you, you got a bunch of other ones. And um, But, yeah, so, so coach, you, you started coaching uh, for Cal in 86. Um, can you talk about sort of when you knew you wanted to start coaching? Uh, and how you, you know, kind of planned to get in the business and how you ended up getting into uh, coaching college basketball? Yeah, my, my college career was cut short as a player, uh, just for a lack of talent, I guess you would, you would chalk it up to. But um, I, I wanted to stay in sports while I was in college, and, and I, I wasn't sure what, what path or what avenue I was going to, going to take to do that. I was a journalism major at Cal State Fullerton, and I thought maybe that would be my path. To, uh, to stay in the sports world. And um, uh, at that time, I worked at Disneyland. I was in Southern California, and I met a, a, a lot of teachers worked at Disneyland in the, in the vacation periods. And I met a guy who was a basketball coach at Walnut High School, John Good. And John, we got to know each other, and we're talking about our, our passion for basketball. And he says, have you ever thought about going into coaching? And I said, you know, I really haven't given it much thought, but I really missed the game a ton. And uh, he said, I'm a freshman coach at Walnut High School. You know, would you be willing to help me and be my assistant this year? And uh, the, I, I don't think the job paid anything at the time, but uh, I did it. And boy, did it spark a passion in me where I, I, I knew uh, at that point that, boy, this was my calling. This is what I had a passion to do it to every day. I look forward to it. And um, it's really interesting, you know, when uh, I'm sure you, you've had a lot of people on your podcast and probably some of this, some of these answers would differ based on the age groups of the people you're interviewing. But when I got into the game, my sole purpose and my reason for getting into coaching, I felt that I could, I could really impact young people's lives in a positive way. And I will tell you today, you know, 30 plus years later, that's my motivation. That's my motivation with the, the University of Denver basketball team. The last five years, that was my motivation at Stanford. I, got, I, I love the relationships. I enjoyed my time with the guys. And I felt that I, I could impact their lives in some way, in a positive way. And uh, it's interesting, as a high school coach, I think you, you really can help them formulate priorities and, and standards and principles you know, as they're growing. And then in college, it's a little more of a, an adult relationship, and but yet you can still have an impact on them. And but uh, boy, I, I can I can tell you that that's why I got into the profession. And thirty plus years later, that that's what drives me every day. Yeah, coach, it's 
it's kind of crazy. And just looking through your path, just like all the different things that came up and, you know, get, being a Cal assistant just two years after you graduate college, kind of how did that come about? And like, what were some things you learned early just being a very young assistant coach at a high major program? Yeah, I, I was coaching at, uh, at a high school. And at that point, advice that I received, I, I wanted to get in at the college level. And the advice that people gave me was you have to work summer camps. You got to work as many summer camps as you can. You got to build relationships and you got to get to know the college coaches. So typically in the summertime, I'd pack my car up and I'd go and I'd work six straight. And back then it was they were overnight camps. And you, you would get $125, $150 for working a five-night overnight camp. And, and, and it didn't matter. You know, that, that was what you needed to do. And that's how you got your foot wet um, in the business. And um, so uh, I, that, that's how I started relationships with some of the college guys. And um, I went to Cal and Luke Campanelli had just completed his first year. And I got familiar with, at that time, they called them the part-time assistant coaches which were like the ops guys today. And he was running camp and I told him about my desire to, uh, to get into the business. And he got me into their camps and um, he kind of took an interest in me. Derek Allister was his name. He went on and Derek worked at the University of Nevada for Len Stevens. He was the head coach at Stephen F. Austin for a while and was in the business for a long time. And, um, it, you know, again, I, I think as we talk, you're gonna hear a theme of relationships being really important in, in, in one's progress in this business. And, and Derek and I established a great relationship. And um, so he convinced, or I convinced, I guess, with his help, Lou Campanelli at the time, that he needed a volunteer assistant on his staff. So he needed to hire someone for free. And, and we did that. There wasn't a GA on the staff because graduate school was so hard to get into at Cal. So we, we convinced him. And uh, I actually had a buddy who was going to be in the same role at Cal for Joe Cap, the football coach. So we went up there and, man, we, we took whatever we had in our car. And uh, it was like one or two suitcases. And we, we slept on inflatable mattresses in the football locker room for about the first two months. And, you know, people tell you how, how they get started. That, that's how I got started. That was my first eight weeks as a big time college, you know, basketball coach sleeping on the mattress, uh, on an inflatable mattress in the football stadium. And um, that, that's how I got my start. But I will tell you, I got some great advice uh, along the way. Be, right before this happened, Stan Morrison was the head coach at USC. And Stan had a big time career, great coach. And I watched him at a clinic a few months earlier. And this shows you how times are different. But Stan uh, at the clinic, he said, hey, if any of you have any questions or if I can help along the way, here's my number. Here's my phone number. And he gave it out to all the coaches at the clinic. And so I had a chance when I was a high school coach to go to Laverne College as an assistant. And I wasn't sure if that was the move that I should make. And one day I was doing my student teaching at Walnut High School. And I thought, I'm going to call up Coach Morrison and see what he says. He picked up the phone, you know, on the first ring. And I explained it to him. And he, he said to me, what level do you ultimately want to end up on? And I said, Division One. 
And he said, well, then that's where you need to get. You need to get to the level that you want to end up on as quickly as you can. So I, I turned that down. And within the year, the, the Cal opportunity came up. But I'll never forget that advice. I, I saw him later in life, and, and I expressed my appreciation for him taking the time and the interest in another coach at that time to, to help guide my career. Would you think that that so you were given that advice and you're given the camp advice that you yes. mentioned? Yep. Would you see that those two things now and forget COVID, hopefully? Uh, would you say that you would give kind of that same or similar advice to young guys now? Um, uh, I definitely would with regard to getting to the level that you want to coach at. I think that's still sound advice today. Um, uh, the camps. I would say what, what you need to do, and, and I'm sure many of your guests have said the same thing, the relationship piece is so huge. You know, I, I just got the head coaching job here at the University of Denver, and honestly, when it came to hiring my staff, I had a really hard time thinking about hiring people that I didn't know, that I didn't have a, relate, a past with. Like I ended up hiring some people that I've, I've had a long relationship with. And Brandon Dunson is my associate head coach. And I coached Brandon in high school in Illinois. And, you know, I, and uh, Robert Williams, who I coached at UAB um, uh, 10 years ago. And like, I, I've, I know that there won't be one second that I think about, do, do they have my back? Are they loyal? Can I trust them? Like I, I've already been through adversity with them. You know, I, I know how they handle it, you know, and I, I've, I've celebrated the good times and we've experienced the tough times together. And that's, that's so important. So I, I know speaking, you know, for myself here, the relationship piece was so important to me um, that uh, I, I think as a young coach, you've got to find ways to build those. And it's just, you know, I got 150 resumes and applicants and, and uh, you know, it was great to see the interest. And I tried to take an interest in, in everyone that applied to some degree. And, uh, but ultimately, I, I think if you're a young coach looking to get on at Division I, uh, you, you've, you've got to find a way to build a relationship. And it's interesting. I got to know some of the guys who applied, you know, where we had some conversations and we spoke. And if there's an opening on my staff down the road, I know those guys now. And I will feel very comfortable, you know, calling them up and talking to them. Yeah. And, you know, it's a it's a hard thing, you know, with young guys. I'm sure just especially now being a head coach, you probably get bombarded with emails and and things. And I do think especially, you know, guys that younger guys we talked, Max and I talked to, there are a lot of young guys who are in it for the right reasons, but it can be tough to, um, you know, genuinely reach out to somebody, especially to someone like yourself, who's in a power position, like a head coach, like what's some advice like for, for guys who don't know how to get these relationships started. Um, how, what's your advice for young guys just trying to do it the right way and not come off like they want something, you know what I'm saying? Like, yep. I think it's hard for some people to do that. Um, I, I'll give you a, a story and someone I talked to as I was hiring an ops position here. I had a head coach who I've known for a long time. Um, he spent 35 minutes with me on the phone and he talked to me about a GA in his program who, who he would highly recommend for the job. 
and all the duties and all the tasks that 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 person would do really well. You know, the experience in uh, evaluating film and uh, as a video coordinator and being organized and all those things. And then I had another candidate and I called his head coach and that that head coach spent 35 minutes talking to me about the, the this young man's character and his integrity and the type of person he was and how helpful he was and how cooperative he was and how building relationships and impacting lives was was really important to him. And I guess, you know, as a coach, you have to know who you are. And to me, like that, I got off the phone and, and, and I immediately said to myself, that's what I want. Like I, I've had trouble finding one that, con that I connected with. And, and for me, that, that integrity piece and bringing, bringing in a staff of guys who take pride, not just in their coaching, but in their teaching in being role models to the young people in your program uh, and, and demonstrating, you know, that how to be a man, you know, in all facets of their lives to the, the young people in my program, like that, that appealed to me. So that, to me, that was more important than hearing about, um, you know, gosh, that, you know, he's a great video coordinator. It's who, you know, I, I think that's a question as I spoke to guys, one of the first questions I ask them, tell me about yourself. Tell me about who you are as a man. What's important to you? What are your values? You know, what are your standards? You know, uh, so uh, that, and again, I, I think you, you have to know what's important to you. I'm not saying that that's the way everybody should look at it, but certainly that, that, was, that was what fueled my search and ultimately led me to hire the people that I did. That's great, Coach. I know everybody wants to be a part of a staff where uh, you can trust each other, loyalties there, uh, integrity, character. I mean, that's there's and there's we we all know, all three of us know how many staffs out there that doesn't necessarily have all that, uh, you know, inside it. But um, Coach, kind of getting back to your path a little bit more. So you're you're an assistant coach at Cal. Um, and you're you're sleeping on floors trying to make it in Berkeley, California, which is not the most uh, you know inexpensive place at least now. I don't know what it was like then, but I'm sure it's similar. Um, so you're there for seven years, Coach. Can you talk about kind of your transition there as a staff member, and then uh, yep. to Illinois State as an assistant? Well, you know, not I, I quit a job. I was making eighteen thousand five hundred. That was my annual contract at, at Diamond Bar High School to to take a job. I remember my mom at the time really wondered, like, what the hell are you doing? You know, you just quit a full time teaching job to take a job where you don't get paid. And I, I collected baseball cards as a kid, and I had a case of Donruss baseball cards that I sold to, and I lived off that money that year. So that, that was how I got through the, the volunteer year, but things, um, you know, I, I tried to take advantage of the situations and, you know, worked hard to prove myself. Uh, I think one of the best things I did was listen. Uh, I worked with a great staff. Lou Campanelli was the head coach. Uh, I mentioned Derek Allister was the, the part-time coach. Um, Ernie Nestor, a long time uh, Division One coach. He worked for Coach Odom at Wake Forest all during the Tim Duncan years. 
uh, uh, Ernie was a head coach at George Mason and Elon uh, was at Wake Forest a couple different times. And, uh, and Sherman Dillard, uh, Sherman's still in the game as an assistant in Iowa now, but they were the assistant coaches at the time. And I shared an office with, with Sherman. And I, I listened, man, I, 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 I was hesitant to express my opinions on things because I was taking in everything he was saying. And I learned so much that year going into staff meetings and just understanding my role and, and listening to what these guys had to say, how they talked to people, how they did business with them, how they recruited young people, how the conversations went, how they built relationships. And uh, I just learned a ton from them. And after my first year, Derek left to get an assistant job at Nevada. I moved up to that part-time spot a year later. Sherman left to go to Georgia Tech with Bobby Kremens. And I was elevated to the, the full-time assistant spot and, and then was there for my, my remaining time during my seven years. But uh, it, it's, I, I think, uh, you know, you become, I, I tell young coaches all the time that you're going to be around not just head coaches, but people on your staff. <clears throat> and you're going to pick up things that, you know, you're going to say, gosh, you know, when I become a head coach, I want to do that. You know, I'm, that, that'll be good. That's a good match for me. And you're going to see things that you know that, that aren't. And, and that's just as important to know, you know, I don't think I would do that, you know, if and when the time came that, that I was head coach. But uh, I learned a great deal during those years, for sure. And then, so after your time there, you end up going to Illinois State. And, and kind of what took you there and what, like, what, or what relationship and like, how'd you kind of end up going to Illinois state from Cal? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it was 1993 in February and Luke Campanelli got fired uh, with about six weeks to go in the season, maybe a little less than that. And um, it, it, um, it was not a, a good deal. And it took me a little time to understand about 24 hours, what went down. And I realized I didn't want to be part of it. And um, so I resigned 24 hours after Lou Campanelli was fired without another job, but I felt it was the right thing to do at the time. And, um, uh, and then the following year, Kevin Stallings was a good friend of mine. Kevin was an assistant for Roy Williams at Kansas, and uh, he got the uh, Illinois State job. He called me up one day and he said, I think I'm going to get one of two jobs, the Illinois State or the Wyoming job. And he said, would you come with me if I, I get them? And, and I said, boy, I'd, I'd love to see them. And I hung up the phone and I called him back about 10 seconds later. Uh, and I said, Kevin, man, I don't need to see it, man. I'm, I'm all in, I'm with you, whatever, whatever you get. And he got the Illinois State job. And uh, it, it's amazing, you know, they say things happen for a reason. And I enjoyed my time with Kevin. He's he is the best tactical coach I've ever been around. Just an amazing, amazing coach. The guys on the team knew if we were in a close game with a minute to play, Coach Stallings would find a way to, to, to have the team win the game. Uh, he would come up with something. So uh, just incredible experience with him. But I met my wife there. So if, if everything didn't happen the way it did at Cal, I never would have went there and um, – met my wife and started my family during that time. And coach, you know, we've talked a lot about relationships and how important they are, uh, you know, 
in general, but also in this, in this business, how did you get to know Kevin Stallings originally? Yeah. And, and this is a great way. Once you become an assistant coach and you go to, uh, you know, to the, the different functions and exposure camps and you evaluate players. And I, I didn't know Kevin until I hit the road recruiting and we struck up a friendship just, uh, in, you know, over the summer, probably at these camps, we watched some games together. Uh, we, we shared opinions on different players and uh, probably helped each other out a, a little bit, but gained some mutual respect. And that's how the relationship built. Yeah. And then coach, after your time at Illinois State, you spent some time in real estate and you're doing some different things and coaching high school. Can you kind of run us through those those years Yeah. Uh, while you were out of, the, out of the game? And also maybe some things just like, you know, part of the business is, you know, being out sometimes like, but you somehow you jump right back into an assistant coaching spot down the line. Can you kind of talk about maybe what you were doing to kind of stay relevant with some guys and those relationships you had built um, that kept it. So when you did jump back in, it was like you picked up right where you left off. Yeah, it, that's hard to do. And, and I would tell you, this is the part of my path <laughs> where I, my advice is to any young coach, don't follow this part of the path, <laughs> but I, I, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, I, I was at a point in my, my life where my, my wife and I got married and we started our family and uh, the uncertainty as a college basketball coach of not knowing where you're going to be, you know, from year to year. Um, and we decided that the best thing for our family at the time was to take deep roots in the Bloomington Normal area in Illinois. That's where my wife was from. She was one of five, uh, her and her, her siblings um, uh, were, were married, had families. And we kind of thought that that would be good for our kids to be near their cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents. So I got out of the business for that reason and uh, got into real estate. Uh, my father-in-law was a Coldwell banker broker at the time and uh, got into selling residential real estate that led itself into uh, uh, developing residential subdivisions. And that got in uh, that led its way into starting a building business where we built custom homes. And um, my wife was involved in real estate and did that for a while. And uh, I and probably, if I was honest with you, I would tell you, I didn't have the burning passion for it that I had for coaching, but the passion that you have to compete as a coach, that still existed. And I wanted to be the best at what I was doing. So there was a big push to, to develop the expertise and have the success and work the hours. I've always thought like for friends of mine who've been coaches and have gone into other lines of work, like the, the, the background that you have in coaching and the, 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 the experiences that you have and how hard you compete and how many hours you put into it and how you hone your craft, that that'll take you a long way, no matter what you go into. So um, it did for me in those real estate years and uh, had some success and, but I missed the game. I missed the game a ton. And I got back in, in the same area, still doing the real estate. I became a head coach at uh, Central Catholic High School in Bloomington, Illinois. And um, I really love those years. You know, that's how I started as a high school coach and, uh, uh, you know, took a lot of pride in building a program, took a lot of pride in impacting young people's lives again. And, 
uh, as a high school coach and really enjoyed it. And uh, my my associate head coach here at Denver, Brandon Dunson, I coached in high school 17 years ago. So uh, again, that relationship piece, you know, was so important. So, um, uh, and that led itself into just feeling like, you know, I'm, I'd love to get back in the college game. And uh, I, I reached out to my friends in the game. I reached out to friends in the business and they said, it's, you're going to have a hard time getting back in after being gone for so long. And um, I guess it's a, a lesson in persistence. I didn't take that, um, you know, as my answer. And I, I, I persisted and I tried, uh, you know, with my friends, again, going back to relationships. And Seth Greenberg was at Virginia Tech at the time and uh, had an ops position open. And Seth was uh, was nice enough to uh, open uh, open the door there for me and give me an opportunity as his uh, ops person, and that allowed me to get back in the business. Had a great year there for uh, for Seth and learned a ton from him uh, at Virginia Tech, and he did such a good job there. And then uh, someone that I had recruited out of high school, Jared Hass, uh, who when he got done playing. Uh, he became an assistant coach for Roy Williams at Kansas and North Carolina. And Jared was close to getting a head job. And he had said, you know, if that time comes, would you come with me? And lo and behold, after a year at Virginia Tech, he got the head coaching job at UAB and, uh, and got the call. And we packed the family up again and we, we made the move to Birmingham, Alabama. Gotcha. Coach, I want to go back uh, briefly to, to your head coaching days. Uh, your first head coaching days, right, as a, as a high school coach um, at Central Catholic High School in Bloomington, Illinois. What? So you were there for five years, and you came into, like I said, first head coaching job. Uh, what was different for you? You had spent, you know, these years as an assistant at the college level. What was different being kind of the head guy? Obviously, you know, high school, different level and everything, but, you know, still coaching, still head, head coach. Well, you, you just – said it there it's still coaching and yeah. it didn't matter the level like what you know if i if i told you what i enjoy most about the game it's teaching the game it's the practices and that that's the most exhilarating and probably gratifying part of it and that's what i was doing at the high school level and uh, i got an opportunity to teach the game and to build a program and it, it was exciting and thrilling and i had guys that uh, you know, went on and played college ball and, you know, you took pride in, in having a hand and helping them get there. Um, you know, after those years of experience at Cal and Illinois state, you know, you had a better idea what you, you wanted to run, uh, offensively, what you want to do defensively, you know, nobody, nobody was really speaking about core values back then, um, you know, or culture it existed, but it, that, that wasn't the terminology, but, you know, you, you, I remember it was always important to me to run a program with integrity. And, um, uh, you know, I used the Dean Smith thoughts of the day uh, to teach life lessons, you know, and uh, the man on top of the mountain didn't fall there, you know, and, and every day, you know, having a different one and talking to my team about it and asking my team what that means to them. And, um, you know, I used one the other day uh, here at the University of Denver. I said, you know, don't plant crab apples every day and expect to harvest golden delicious. Uh, you know, that, that's so I, I did that. And 
that was kind of foundational piece of of our camp of our program at, um, at Central Catholic, and but that was who I was, and I, that that would be advice I have for your young coaches: like find out who you are and what you stand for and what you represent. And it's just not about getting a job anywhere there's a vacancy. It's who do you want to align yourself with, and is that coach, you know, does does he run a program that you know, and do the things that you uh, condone, that do the things that you embrace, you know, or are you just chasing the job for the sake of chasing the job? And, uh, you know, I had some people who were looking for jobs here at the University of Denver after I got the job, and they would reach out to people I know. And, and it was, the question they asked was, what do I have to do to get the job? And, you know, that, that always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I, what really worked better for me was tell me who you are tell me what you represent tell me who you are as a man and and why you're in this business and that was more meaningful to me and more powerful than you know telling telling me uh, how great you know you'll be as handling all the video for the team or planning trips you know to uh, conference planning all the travel yeah and it seems like the guys that you know, you've chosen, I'm sure, and the guys you were considering probably just answered those questions without even, you know, need, they didn't even need direction on those. They kind of just took it that way. No, it was, it was a great fit. They were great fits for me. And I think this was a good fit for them as well. You know, coach, looking back now, you know, on your head coaching days back in high school, um, you, you're right. Like I coached four years at AAU as like a head coach with 17U. Um, you know, Max is the interim head coach now, officially getting his first chance. And yeah, I was doing AAU, so it's a little different. But like, you get to try your own stuff. You get trial and error. What was maybe something that you did that back in Central at Central Catholic that till this day you're like, no matter what I do at any level, like I'm sticking with this. Maybe, maybe it's the, oh, the I thought the, you thought you were going to ask me a mistake I made. Oh, a, well, you can go. And maybe it's from that. Maybe it's, oh, from I remember, that. man. I, I remember a mistake I made. I, I had a team and uh, I think it was my, my second to last there year there. I thought we, we, we should have won the state championship and uh, we got, Oh, we, we got near the final four. I guess maybe it was down to eight schools at the time. And man, I overcoached that we, instead of doing what I had done throughout the entire season, we played a team with two division one players on it. And, uh, and I went triangle and two. And I lose sleep over that today. You know, I, I just, you know, overcoached and overthought it and, you know, we, we had a wonderful season and we just should have been doing what we practiced every single day. And instead, I, I tried to do, you know, something other than that. And, and what that goes back to is we had an identity. You know, we didn't play one possession of zone that year. And we had an identity on the defensive end. We had an identity on the offensive end. And as a coach, I deviated from that. And it, it was a, you know, mistake that, you know, I, I think about today, years later. Well, coach, you, you've served in a lot of different roles, uh, Dobo, uh, head coach, uh, assistant. Can you talk about, or, you know, even for the GAs and managers out there, can you talk about like your, um, I guess, perspective on, 
you know, cause when you're at Cal, you said you were just sponge and you're listening to everybody and just trying to soak up and not trying to speak at a turn. Can you talk about like, you know, kind of staying in your lane, but also trying to better yourself, if that makes sense. As the years went on. Sure. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, it, you know, you, you, you develop and you build an air, uh, uh, you know, expertise as you're around great people and you soak it all in and, you know, you, you start, um, uh, you know, you become a student of the game. And then of course your experience sure accelerates all of that. Um, but, uh, I, I think, you know, one of the most important parts of that would be, uh, as whether you're a young coach or an experienced coach who's been around for a while, I think really think you got to be open to different ideas and suggestions. And, um, you know, my experience sometimes is, the older guys are a little better at that than, than the younger guys. Like there's so many ways to get the job done and to do it at a high, high level. And, you know, it, it should be a really thrilling and exciting conversation when you hear how other people do it and, and, and not take the attitude that, uh, uh, Hey, you know, I, I did it this way and it worked. And, but to, to just listen that there are different ways to get the job done and different opinions, different philosophies, and just be receptive and just be open to that. And, and you'll just continue to learn and develop as a coach. Um, I have found that that's a very important piece as, as I've gotten older. No doubt coach. And so, you know, now you're at UAB, you guys do great things and coach goes to Stanford. Um, and you know, you're on the staff at UAB, UAB, did you know right away that you were going with him? Like, what was that in that middle time and like how that process kind of panned out before you went to Stanford? Yeah. I, working for Jared Haas was just, uh, I mean, I, I, I joke, but it really wasn't a joke. I told my friends, I thought I had the best job in college basketball. I worked, worked for a friend, worked for a friend who saw things similar than I did, who had similar values similar standards and, and, and principles. And um, boy, he's just, uh, Jared is such a high integrity guy. And I think anyone who knows him in college basketball, that's the first thing they think of when they think of Jared Haas. And um, uh, working with him, we were, I really felt like we were partners. And um, it, it, was, it was just really cool that we were together four years at UAB and five years at Stanford. And um, just he, his organizational, um, strengths, the structure of program. And he would tell you that he got that from coach Williams at North Carolina, you know, and, but that was so good. And, and it's something I'm really leaning hard on now as I'm starting my own program. But um, uh, I did know, you know, we talked about if, if that worked out and I'm a native Californian. So coming back to go to Stanford as a, as a, an assistant coach, was really exciting and significant at the time. And being with Jared at, at, at that school, uh, the institution itself was thrilling to think of it, have an opportunity to, to represent Stanford and uh, have an opportunity to work with, again, a high character, high integrity young men who chase excellence in all they do. And it was, it was really cool being at Stanford and, uh, you know, having the opportunity to work with Jared, but to, we had a player, uh, Oscar De Silva, who the last two years was first team all conference player. And Oscar's story, I think, is pretty well known at this point. But 
he um, he not only was a first team all conference performer, um, he he spoke six languages fluently. He he uh, he did stem cell research in the off season, and um, it, it's an overtold story to a certain extent, especially on the West Coast. Uh, any Pac-12 game you watched, you heard that, but it was awesome. Like he's just, I learned a ton. My life was so much better because I got to experience Oscar De Silva in my life for four years, like so cool and, and uh, just had so much going for him. And a lot of the Stanford players were like that. And they just, we used to tell recruits and this was as honest as we could possibly be that, you know, at, at Stanford, you, uh, you're around people who chase excellence. These guys want to be, they want to be NBA players. They work hard at their craft. They're in the gym. They're working on their game, but they also want to be prepared for life when the ball stops bouncing and they, they want to crush it from an academic side. They want to take advantage of every opportunity that they have from the, an academic standpoint. And they want to be great teammates and they want to be good brothers and they want to be good sons. And it's just a, a really cool experience in, um, uh, during my time there. And um, I, the reason I left, be, because I, I told you how enjoyable it was working with Jared, I thought that some of the things that I valued so much at Stanford, I could do uh, and implement at the University of Denver. You know, another prestigious academic institution that would be appealing to, uh, you know, to to guys who are chasing excellence and all they do, the, the high integrity piece, the high character guys, and uh, and to build the program. And uh, this is something I've said when it, when I got here, and I, I said it during the interview process. Like I, I I think when you've been in the business for a while, one of two things appeals to you, and it's either building programs or sustaining them. And if you look back at the places that you've mentioned, we built them. We built them to a level of success that they had never achieved or one that they hadn't achieved in a long, long time. And, and that's what the Denver situation is. And, and that wasn't a detriment to me. That, that, was, that was the appeal. Like I got a chance and I'm telling my recruits, we got a chance to put our name on something here at the University of Denver that hasn't been done before. And that, that's, man, that's exciting. That's thrilling to me. You know, at the end of the day, to be able to do something that nobody else has here. Yeah, and you, Stanford sounds like such a special place. Talking to Coach Cohen uh, last week, and and you now, and, and Denver sounds like a special place as well. Can you talk about that uh, transition and how um, that job kind of opened up? I'm sure you were fine, just fine staying at, at such a great place like Stanford. Um, how did the job kind of? Uh, did, did they come calling to you or, you know, did you know the athletic director? How did that kind of work? Yeah, it was, uh, I, I remember it vividly. I was sitting on the, uh, next to my wife and I, you know, surfing through Twitter and looking at social media and see that the job popped and it, it became open. And I immediately, I knew enough about it to, uh, uh, to say to my wife, I said, Jen, th th this is the one boy. I, this is the type of job that I really want. Like uh, so much of what I value and love about the Stanford situation, I could do there. And, and it's an institution that embraces the student athlete model. Uh, it's a, such a prestigious academic institution. Um, and that was, so there was immediate appeal. 
you know, and then, you know, you go through the process and you, you try to get involved. And I don't know, I've never been, uh, I've never figured out an easy way to do that. So you express your interest, you know, you, you talk to, to uh, you, you try to find a common denominator, you know, just as you do in recruiting. You know, when you talk to uh, the father of a recruit, you know, you, you find a common denominator. Maybe your paths have crossed. Maybe you lived in the same area. Maybe you know some common people, but find that common denominator and then work on that. So uh, certainly try to do that with the decision makers here, you know, and with, with some luck. And uh, we, we had some common friends and, um, uh, you know, uh, did the best I could at bringing my strengths, you know, to, uh, to the decision makers here. And it, uh, it escalated over about three, four weeks and found myself, uh, you know, on the good end of some news here. And so, you know, coach, it's your first time in college getting a, a head coaching job. Um, it's, you know, you, you were in the business or, you know, at least involved in basketball for 37 years, if I'm correct. Um, before getting your first head coaching job in, in college. Can you kind of talk maybe to if there's some guys who have, you know, been patiently waiting for an opportunity to come, like maybe just some advice or some words of encouragement for guys who, who have feel maybe they've kind of been stuck in these roles and they're, and they're waiting for their, their chance to kind of break through. Um, you know, uh, it, it goes back to, to knowing who you are and I think what, what you represent, and um, uh, I was very fortunate as I found out the criteria for this job. I thought it was a good fit for me. I thought the institution was a great fit for me. I thought the opportunity to build the basketball was a, a good fit for me. And then when I found out what the criteria was uh, for, for what they were looking for from their head coach in terms of someone who had some experience, who had been around programs that were, that were rebuilt, you know, I thought that was a good fit as well. So uh, uh, I, I don't know, when I was younger, I think, you know, honestly, I remember saying to myself, I didn't want to be a career assistant coach. And, uh, you know, and yet at the time, I was really fortunate to be an assistant coach at the Pac-10 Cal at the time and in the Missouri Valley and, and you know, working with some really highly regarded and respected people, building relationships. And uh, I, I think, um, it's not about chasing the job that you want maybe, but it's about working the job that you have and getting really good at it and, and having the, the confidence maybe that that kind of will take care of itself. Um, you know, in, in terms of head coaching opportunities and I didn't go through this year, honestly, any of the years of, at, I was at Stanford thinking I got to get out. I got to get a head coaching job. You know, it, it was, I enjoyed every moment I was there. I enjoyed the the staff that I had the pleasure of working with. I enjoyed the players. And uh, I, I think sometimes young people in their haste to move up that ladder quickly, you know, that they're missing out on some great moments. And, and, you know, that maybe sometimes the best job is the one that you got. Yeah. And, you know, one last question, coach, we don't want to hold you up too much, but so now you got your chance, your first head coaching job in college, and you kind of talked about like some of the stuff you're already kind of implementing with the program. But, you know, everyone says like the first 30 days, like what are some things that you're kind of driving home 
um, you know, whether it's your players or with administration, like what, what are you kind of hanging your hat on and, and like really hitting home on this first month or, you know, a couple months on the job? Yeah. The, the staff, I, I would say, is the most important one. Uh, that, that's the first thing I began working on um, and, and to getting to get people that we've talked about this a little bit, who are just a good match for you. They, I, I wanted guys who represented the same things or reflect me, you know, in, in terms of uh, their integrity and, and reflect me in terms of the willingness to want to be a teacher in the game and want to be a mentor and want to be a good role model for the young people in the program that, you know, th those were things that were really important to me. And I, I feel I was fortunate enough to find guys that, that, that I found guys who are a good match. And, um, and I think instilling your culture, instilling your, your core values in the program, um, you know, letting the guys know uh, what, what they're in store for, uh, you know, what type of environment, you know, I've, I've had the, we sat down and you're building relationships now, you know, with the guys that you've inherited and letting them know what you're all about. And, and I've, I've had a lot of discussions where I've kind of, I've wanted to let them know like who I am as a man, what I stand for, you know, and, and this is what you'll see as a coach. Like I, I don't just coach this way, you know, this is, this is the way I live my life. And these are the things that are important to me, not just as a coach, but as a dad, as a father and a basketball coach, as a husband. So I've tried to instill that. And, you know, when you come into a new program uh, and you inherit players, some of those players look at you and say, hey, that, that's a good match. You know, I, I'm going to thrive in this environment. And then you have some that, that say, you know what, this is, this is not more than I bargained for, or this is not why I came here. And, um, you know, in the, the age of the portal, um, you know, it's easy to, you know, to make those decisions. So, uh, you know, those, those decisions and discussions and relationship building, all of that has taken place. Um, but uh, yeah, that the first 30 days are pretty important. It's always thought, you know, we've, I've been in this situation, not as a head coach before, but a year goes by and you look back and you say, wow, you know, how did we do all that? It's, uh, but it's exhilarating, it's exciting. And, um, you know, obviously recruiting is a major component in that 30 days. You know, we've signed seven players since I've been here. It's like five weeks. So we've been busy and, and it's not just about signing available talent, but it's about, you know, if you want this thing to work for any length of time, finding the guys who are a good fit and, and you know, reflect the values that you say mean something to you. So, you know, as a head coach, you got to, at least from my opinion, you you have to decide i'm not going to sacrifice my standards i'm not going to sacrifice my principles you know i'm going to keep my integrity and i'm going to do i'm going to be led by doing what's right and i'm going to bring people in who reflect those those values and um you know that's uh, that was important to me as i as i built the program coach thank you so much for sharing all that uh, i can't wait for this episode to come out should be next week um and for, for everybody to, to hear that, I think it, it's going to benefit the coaching world and the young guys for sure. Um, well, so thank you again for coming on. Thank you. Uh, it's very nice of you to say, Max. I appreciate it. Jay, thanks so much for having me. Anytime, guys. I wish you guys luck in, in your future endeavors in the coaching business. And uh, if I can ever be of help, please let me know.
thank you for listening to this week's Coaching Routes podcast with Jason and Max Pender. I want to give a special thanks to Coach Jeff Wolbrun from the University of Denver for joining us this week on the podcast. Please take a second to rate and subscribe to our podcast on the Apple Podcast app. And also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at Coach Routes Pod. Thanks and have a great week.